Welcome everyone to Off the Cuff. I am Adam Banks. Thank you for listening to the show. And this is the post-championship game show where we are here to discuss the 2016 NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament and... Happy to be joined by my professional sports panel, Zach Hahn, Jordan Canasser, and Chad Rainwater. Guys, how's it going? Well, I mean, you said we're professionals. I mean, we're getting paid for this. <laughs> well, you know, um, the checks—it's in the mail. I've already, I've already right, cut your I'll, check, so I'll keep an eye know, out for it. Keep your bank accounts uh, there on your um, favorites and on your computer, <laughs> and you'll be able to pull it up. But uh, you know, I like—I love sports, and every sport has its own. Uh, big shindig at the end of it. You know, the NBA has the playoffs. College basketball has March Madness. But wrestling has WrestleMania. And, Chad, you and I watched WrestleMania last Sunday, man. And, uh, you know, we both watched it back in the glory days of wrestling. And uh, the Attitude Era. Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Triple H. And uh, we watched WrestleMania for the first time in years. Now, what did you think of the show? We did. You know, it was pretty entertaining. Um, it's not as good as it happened in the past. I mean, wrestling dropped off, at least for, for me, it dropped off in the, in the early 2000s. Uh, but, I mean, it was, it, was, it was fun. It was entertaining. The, the uh, Shane some Mc, good matches. The Shane McMahon versus The Undertaker match, when Shane McMahon jumped off the cage, I, I was... Yeah, I that jumped. was probably the biggest... Uh, spot of WrestleMania was Shane McMahon jumping off the cage. Yeah, I can't believe that he's 46 years old. He's got gray hair. His nipples are hard. He's still in good shape, though. Yeah. He, he can put on a good match. Yeah. It was all right for... Uh, Undertaker's a little old. He's get, he's done. He uh, he's just he was worn out two minutes into the match, and it was a, such a slow match, but other than that, it was it was all right. It's kind of sad, though, that they got to bring back the old guys to get a big rise out of people like us. You know, they had to bring back Stone Cold, The Rock, Shawn Michaels. Oh, no. That was well, the most entertaining part of the show. Yeah, well, it was six or seven of the greatest wrestlers, in my opinion, that showed up on the show. If they didn't have those guys, this no, there was no way that they would, this would get good ratings at all. But The Undertaker ended up beating Shane, and then Triple H headlined WrestleMania. This was like his like eighth WrestleMania headline. He's WrestleMania. He's he's wrestled like at eight main events at WrestleMania. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I, like you said, they had to bring a big guy in to be uh, in the main event, and Triple H was a guy this year. And I didn't expect him to get beat, but. Well, if we want to add our other panel in for the show, we got to talk about a team that is partying like it's 1985 because this team hasn't won since 1985. The Villanova Wildcats is the 2016 NCAA champions. They defeated the North Carolina Tar Heels. Like I said, they haven't won since 1985. Do you guys know the arena that they won their first championship in? Rep Arena. That is right. I didn't have a guess, so. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a guess either. Home of the Kentucky Wildcats, they defeated Georgetown. That was the only time Rupp Arena has held the NCAA uh, championship game, I guess, because it only holds about, what, 23, 24,000 people. And, they, and now college basketball has it, it's drawn such a big crowd, they only want to hold it in venues that are holding at least 50,000 people. I saw the game last night was holding like 74,000 people in it, and I was just, I had no clue. I saw that, you know, I was expecting. You know, a solid 25,000, but I had no clue the magnitude they had got to with, uh, you know, 75,000 people in a game. Houston, what is the arena in Houston? I, I guess they were playing with the, the Texans yeah, the play. play. But I can't imagine that those were, you know, good seats up there in the upper, upper deck. I mean, it's a football stadium. How can you possibly see anything? Yeah, I saw a picture on uh, Twitter today. It was the worst seat in the stadium, and it was pretty far up there. 
Yeah, it really is. Well, let's talk about the, uh, let's review the final four. We only got four teams to talk about. Uh, let's talk about the Oklahoma versus Villanova game. Now, a lot of people, I said it, I said that Oklahoma and Villanova, the winner of that game was going to be the 2016 champions. And I was right. So Oklahoma was a team that went out. Buddy Hill uh, projected to go number three in a lot of the draft boards. He um, uh, Was anybody shocked to see Oklahoma lose to Villanova? I was shocked. I thought Oklahoma honestly had probably, you know, the best team in the nation. They had a, you know, Buddy Hill, if he was if he was firing hot, then he was firing hot, and he led the team. And if he wasn't, they had some good pieces around him, you know, to be able to do uh, do stuff. That Latin kid's really good in the middle. Um, but I thought it was going to be a real good game from the get-go. Buddy Hill comes out, hits the first basket of the game, hits a three, and I just looked, you know, hey, this is the way the game's going to go. Oklahoma's going to come out shooting hot and nothing after that. And that was just, you know, it was kind of you lose interest in the second half because – what did it end up being like a forty-point game at at one point? I was going to say Jordan, like the game was a forty-four-point game. I mean, the final score was ninety-five to fifty-one. I I did not see that coming. I thought Oklahoma would at least give them a little bit of a a game. I mean, Oklahoma had played you know what Kansas twice this year. They had to play West Virginia twice this year, and those were you know both solid teams. Kansas was the number one overall seed going into the tournament. It's not like they had a bad team at all. And you know Oklahoma either beat. I think they beat both of them once and lost once and you know between those two teams those are some of the best teams in the nation and I had no clue you know I hadn't really watched Villanova much this year and I didn't know they came out and just shocked me and it was just it was almost embarrassing for Oklahoma to to have that done to them you know when the team shoots 71 percent for the game it's kind of hard to kind of hard to do anything Oklahoma only shot 31 percent they held Buddy Hill to nine points and your leading scorers only scored nine you can't really do much uh only put up 51 points Villanova just got hot at the right time, like uh, a couple years ago when UConn was the team. I feel like that was the same thing with this. Yeah, Villanova might have been a little bit better, but they were just getting hot at the right time. And, uh, you know, and then Villanova advances to the championship game. Uh, North Carolina and Syracuse was the other Final Four matchup, and Jim Boheim, uh he let, I mean, he, he let his – Boheim, Boheim, whatever his name is. I'm putting Boheim uh, in the last podcast. Yeah, so. uh, Coach – Jimmy uh, B. B. Jimmy B. Jimmy B. Jimmy B. Yeah. Now that was a team I just was shocked altogether to see in the final. I four. think we all were because yeah. we were on the first. Well, they had a really, really easy path to get there. I mean, their their win over Virginia was really the only um, surprising victory that they had. I mean, they beat what Dayton, Middle Tennessee State, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, Middle Tennessee State had shot like they did when they beat Michigan State. Well, then that would have been a tough game, but uh, you know they kind of just got. Got hot for that one game against Tom Izzo and the Spartans. Uh, what Gonzaga after that, and and then they finally did beat Virginia to to kind of earn their way into the Final Four. But I, that was definitely the easiest path of any of the four teams that we saw play this weekend to get there. I thought I thought Syracuse was one of the teams that shouldn't have made the tournament. In the first podcast we did for the NCAA tournament, we all said that. Yep, I was wrong. Yeah, I think you know. They lost, but I still think Syracuse gave North Carolina a game that was, you know, I don't think it ever got over seven points in the first half. I mean, Syracuse had a lead several times. They stuck with them in the second half. North Carolina, you know, what up in the in the teens is what they beat them by. They, they played them a good game. North Carolina's got a got a real good team. But you got to look at it like going into March, going into the tournament. Everybody's zero and zero. The record, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's undefeated. Everybody goes in with that clean slate. And Syracuse is uh, that that backs up my evidence with that. They they went in with, uh, the most unfavored team in the entire tournament. Everybody was shocked to see him in, and then they make it to the Final Four, 
and they end up defeating, or they end up losing though to North Carolina, eighty-three to sixty-six. So it brings us to our championship game: uh, the Villanova Wildcats versus the North Carolina Tar Heels. And North Carolina, if they would have won, this would have been their seventh national title. Sixth or seventh? Would it I believe it was a sixth. It would have been the sixth. sixth. They've only won five. I'm pretty sure they've only won five. Oh, Roy, so would have, that would have been Roy's third here. I think it was six. I heard that. I heard that uh, yesterday. Well, uh, what was crazy is uh, the match. The matchup was close all the way throughout the game. The score was just going back and forth, back and forth. And then uh, uh, North Carolina comes up and shoots that crazy shot. Who was the player that shot? Marcus Page with that. Yeah, that was off balance shot. Yeah. Lucky, just pump it back down, and you know he was. It, that was a that was a crazy lucky three pointer, but it worked out. And then heck, they come right back down the court, and with you know point five seconds to go, gets it out of his hands. Uh, Watkins, and then. Uh, that was I'm 25 years old, and that was the that was the uh, that was the best championship game I've ever seen. Well, yeah. See, I like to see what when you know when um, Marcus Page made that shot. I liked, and there was only four seconds left in the game. Um, a lot of people was like, "Okay, we're going into halftime." Well, not me. I was like, "You know, there's a or I'm sorry, not halftime, but we're going into overtime, overtime." overtime. And I was like, "Not me." I, Four seconds is a long time in basketball. And I like watching what the players are doing in the last four seconds, what the coaches are doing in the last four seconds, because that's when you really can see what the coaches are made out of. And uh, Jay Wright, he really pulled it together. He he put together a fabulous uh, little play. I don't know why North Carolina wasn't playing zone on their defense. They were just kind of befuddled. I think they really just was just banking on them to miss that shot. But Chris Jenkins – Hit that three pointer at the buzzer. No, that wasn't from North Carolina's perspective. You know, that's really not a terrible. Besides the fact that he was a little unguarded, he was able to spot up. I mean, getting to Jenkins, I mean, he was way back there. That wasn't wasn't the worst shot you can give up. I mean, you saw it on a lot of the North Carolina fans' faces after the game was over. I mean, they were shocked, but you know, they weren't outraged. A guy that hits a shot like that. What are you going to do? I mean, yeah, he was a solid six feet behind the line. Yeah, so, that's I mean, not a. Maybe get it a little bit closer up on him, but that's a tough shot to sink. I mean, he's going to hit that maybe 15%. And Villanova is just that. loaded with talent. I mean, they had Daniel Ochafu. Is that his name? Number 23. Well, it looks like Ochafu. Ochafu. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I butcher me. names every time I try to say them. <laughs> if you guys want to chime in and give me the correct name. I, don't I didn't know. want to take a shot at it, so I'll <laughs> stick with no, what you've got. your show. We'll let you be the one that have to Six, six foot 11, 245 pounds from Baltimore, Maryland. He has two rows, basically, on defense. He just uh, stands there under the goal, and he looks for the ball to come his way to dunk it in or – his other role was just to go up and set a pick for the, the point guard, Ryan Archie Dacchio. Archie Dacchio. Does nobody have last names like Banks anymore? <laughs> <laughs> they, they do have, uh, they have a Josh Hart, but that's only the most common name I see on here. They have a Booth and a Bridges. But uh, I don't know. The, uh, speaking of Booth, man, the uh, Booth was one of their. He had a he had a hell of a game for him last night. He every time that North Carolina looked like they were going to make a run, they would go up five or seven, and Booth would come out and just something. You know, North Carolina they play. Amazing defense the entire game, in my opinion. They were right up on everybody the entire time. And then, you know, every time it seemed like Booth was getting guarded by like three people, put up a crazy shot, and he made it. Yeah. Yeah, Booth shot seven shots, only missed one. Put up 20 points. He was huge in that game last night. Well, when North Carolina lost, 
you know, as as awesome as it was and as great as it was to see North Carolina lose in that fashion, I cannot imagine being a North Carolina fan. But imagine being those players in Roy Williams, being that close, four seconds away of going into overtime. You're four seconds away of just getting another five minutes to play, and you lose. You, you don't really know what to do, and the only thing you can do is just go shake everybody's hand. And it's got to be hard for them because what they – their entire team, you know, it was their last. It was their last go around for a little while, in my opinion. You know, they got Bryce Johnson's a senior, Marcus Page is a senior, uh, Kennedy Meeks is a junior. He's coming back, and you know, those are their three key players. And you know, you're losing two of them to the NBA, and they don't have an option to come back next year. So North Carolina's going to kind of have to reload, and we'll see what they got. But you know, I, I do. You know, it's it's a bad situation to be the players, but the thing you got to look at, think about. How you got to feel being a villain of a wildcat waking up this morning, fan or player? That's got to be great. Chris Jenkins is without a doubt the most uh, popular <laughs> athlete in sports right now. Uh, do you think he, he has improved his draft stock any? I'm not going to say by one shot he's no. improved his draft stock at all. No, it's, because I mean I have to I, I have to disagree with you because March Madness is the stage. That's where you want to perform, and you see coaches who do they do bad the entire season, and then they show up in the tournament, and then you see them going to a bigger school. Why can't that be the same way for players? Well, I mean, if nobody ever knew, uh, I mean, it's got to help them a little bit because if you're a scout or whatever, and you didn't know who Chris Jenkins was, you know who he is now. You know who he is now. He's Everybody who watches basketball or sports knows who he is now. So. Yeah, but NBA scouts, I mean, they get paid to do nothing but watch basketball all day. If they've got a thousand clips of Jenkins, you know, one shot's not going to overrule that. Uh, you know, whatever they're seeing on on the film of all the other all the other plays, and um, I, I just don't see that one shot. That you know, like I said. Nine times out of ten doesn't go in. I don't see that improving somebody's draft stock. If they pick him, it'll just simply be for ticket sales or something other than actual you know ability based on that shot. If everything was on big shots, Aaron Harrison should have been the number one draft right, pick last right. year. Yeah, we came into uh, ACDC's big balls, and that would have been very suitable for the 2015 year when Aaron Harrison – um, or the 2014 year, I guess it was, that Aaron yeah. Harrison made both of those shots in the Elite Eight. And the uh, final was it the final four and no, no it was, it was the Sweet eight. Sixteen in the Elite Eight. Yeah, talk about clutch shots. But <clears throat> so, did anybody get a chance to watch the post game interviews with Roy Williams or the post game interviews with J- uh, Jay Wright? I didn't watch them. I I watched uh, I watched the uh, confetti come out and I watched the players celebrate for celebrate for a minute. But at that point, that's uh, the basketball's over and the rest of it's just talk and. I'm not really interested in, unless it's Kentucky, so. You know, but people, the the Villanova Wildcats, they, something that just irritated me. They were like, oh, North Carolina, they're a very respectable team. We're, we're, we're glad we got to defeat them. Shut up. Don't talk about North Carolina being a respectable team. Don't even talk about North Carolina. You are the champions. You don't need to talk about another team. You don't need to give them praise. You are the champions. Act like a champion. But, man, one thing that did surprise me about North Carolina, I never saw North Carolina as a team like, you know, like, you know, just respectable. I thought North Carolina was just a bunch of young punks, and I've always thought that about them. But they weren't – it wasn't a bunch of crybabies after the game. You know, Bryce Johnson and Marcus Page and, and Meeks and, you know, the entire bench pretty much got up, you know. Of course they were upset, but they were willing to, you know, go shake the hand of the other team, congratulate them, and I honestly think they that was very good sportsmanship after the game from the from the Tar Heels. 
So that wraps up college basketball. Uh, Villanova Wildcats is the 2016 champions. College basketball as a whole, Zach, what do you think of uh, just college basketball as a whole um, this year? What do you think about it? I think it's on the way down. I, I've been waiting for you to give me an opportunity to get that. I think college basketball is is, is hurting more and more each year. Could you elaborate on that, what you mean by that? Well, I just think if you look at where college basketball was historically okay. uh, in the 90s, even in the early 2000s, I think that compared to other sports, it's uh, it's struggling. And it, it makes you wonder where it will be in another 10 years if things don't change. Do you think that the one and done is killing college basketball? Are you, are you upset that they're not four-year players on the court? Do you think that's the biggest problem? I think that is the biggest problem, but I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. Um, I mean, obviously the one and done is out of the control of the NCAA. That's the NBA's role. Um, but, you know, no matter who's pulling the strings, I think the one and done is, is definitely – transformed college basketball and from being something about you know school spirit and you had four-year players and things like that and now it almost just feels like minor league NBA basketball it really is like the one and done thing I like the way it's done in football in a way in college football what the player has to stay until their junior year then Mm -hmm. you're eligible to go to the draft Mm -hmm. I think that there should be a rule in college basketball that you have you you do it like that. If you just if you choose that you want to go play college basketball, you have to stay three years, get your education that that allows you the you know the time to graduate. If you want to you know focus on your classwork and not go out and party all the time, but you know if you're a player, you know a Ben Simmons or something coming out of high school last year, Ben Simmons would have been the number one draft pick. If, I mean, if you're there, why not? There's no sense in you going to college. Well, what you're actually talking about would be closer to the baseball, um, the way it's set up in baseball, where you can go straight out of high school. But if you choose to accept that scholarship and go to college, then you got to wait three years. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you can also see your draft position before you sign the contract as well. Yeah, but you know, and that's that's a that's a cool thing to do. But then again, I see the in, you know I see the NCAA's point on it, and when you want to. You don't want the player to come straight out of high school because, you know, you could have some kid that's six foot eleven, two hundred and fifty pounds playing against, you know, local high schools that he's around and just dominating them. You want to see what he looks like against, you know, more talented players that are eligible to go to a D one uh NCAA school and so I mean I understand the NBA's point on wanting to see them play against better talent before they before they take them as a draft pick because so, you don't want to end up with a Sebastian Telfair. But, but then why wouldn't the NBA want to see more than just one year? I mean somebody like they feel Scal- like they feel like I mean that's a good point. They feel like that one year is enough to expose the player on an elite level to see how they're going to play against elite talent. You bring you bring up Scalabissier. Perfect, still a huge risk. Perfect example. I would like to see another year or two before I before as an NBA GM I would draft him. Yeah, and then, you know, they've still, you know, he started out the season, I think, as like the number two projected draft pick in the NBA. And now they've got him dropped down to between, you know, 12 and 20. And that's not really moving down that far. You know, it's a decent pay cut for him, but he showed me nothing this year to think that he's a draft pick in the NBA at all. If I'm a if I'm a GM in the NBA, I'm sorry, but you know people might call me crazy. I'm not taking Scalabi this year. I'm not taking him until you know mid to late second round. He's not a talent at this point to me. He can he can block shots in college, and he can you know he can block a couple of game, and but he can't rebound. He gets pushed around in the post. You know I don't want a big man that's just going to stand outside and shoot jumpers all day. I've got to have a big man that can get down in the post and beat and bang. You know Chris Bosh isn't very big, but he you know he gets down in the post and. He can go up against, you know, Dwight Howard or DeMarcus Cousins every single night. So, yeah, what I'm saying is give 
somebody like that another couple of years in college, it works out for everybody. The college fan gets to gets to have that player at their program. They can become more attached to them. It's not it doesn't have that you know minor league feel where they're gone the next year. And the NBA teams. They get to see whether he can develop all those other aspects to the, to his game that you're talking about, and it, they don't have to pay a dime for it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the NBA draft. That's coming up, and uh, now that college basketball season is officially over, the NBA draft, everybody's got their eyes set on that. Ben Simmons is projected to go number one. The, uh, the projected uh, team to get the number one pick will be the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Chad, who do you think, besides Ben, is Ben Simmons going to be your first pick? Do you think he's going to get the number one pick? Yeah, more than likely I'd say Simmons. Uh, if it wasn't Simmons, maybe Buddy Hill, depending on what team gets that first pick. Um, if, it, if, it, if the Sixers get the first pick and they get Ben Simmons, look at all the other big guys they have. Uh, Nolan Zoel, Joel Embiid. Um, who's that one missing? Amaka Okafor. Jalil Okafor. Nolan Zoel, yeah. Nolan's three big guys right there. I mean, if, but, 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 I mean it – if you look, if you're gonna play Simmons at the three, I don't. I mean, I I don't know what they're really gonna do. If it was the Sixers, I'd probably take Buddy Hill or uh, Brandon Ingram. But it just depends on who gets that first pick. Brandon Ingram would be a solid three for him. But you know, he's the kid's got talent. He'll he'll be a he'll, he's gonna be an elite, elite player. I think he could. You know, he's definitely flirting with the number one pick. If not, I think he's going second. And then you got a mix between, in my opinion, you got a Buddy Hill or a Jamal Murray going at that between three and four right there, both. But the 76ers, I mean, you said they've got three big men. Is uh, I don't think Joel Embiid's ever going to play. I mean, he no. gets injured every year. <laughs> yeah. so. That's right, yeah. It's, the it's thing so, – go ahead. Oh, it's so hilarious how the whole strategy is uh, just tanking has backfired on the Sixers. they got Embiid, who's not going to play maybe ever. Uh, and then, yeah, sure, they might get the first pick this year, but – I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I think it's a pretty weak draft overall. Very weak draft. And the thing about the draft is it's not really the players that get drafted. It's not this player's better than this player, this player's better than this player. It's all about what the team needs. So if the 76ers needs a um, needs a center, they're not going to draft Ben Simmons first. But, you know, they need they need a, a – they need a, a – I think Philadelphia just needs talent. They need something to come in. Honestly, if you're talking about what player would make Philadelphia a better team right now, I know they're thinking long term still. Murray would be uh, he would make he'd make them I would say ten to fifteen wins better just by balance alone. I think Buddy Hill would as well, but they're never going to leave the triangle offense. So once (laughs) they decide to do that, they might uh, they might have a chance. But (laughs) I mean, it it is a weak draft. Uh, People are saying that it's it's the weakest draft in years. That's why I feel like that, um, you know, we're all Kentucky fans. We know that a few Kentucky players have already declared for the draft. Uh, Jamal Murray, he's a definite lottery pick. Um, Scalabi Sierra, it's questionable whether he'll be a lottery pick. I mean, I, I think I can com- with confidence say that that will be a bust in the NBA because he, he all he has is hot. Right, but for fans of an NBA team, I could see that being, I was talking about, ticket sales earlier uh, for taking Jenkins from Villanova. Scal's that kind of guy that he'll be a pretty easy sell to the fans of an NBA team. Maybe, you know, somebody like uh, like a Utah or something like that, that they really haven't watched a lot of UK basketball probably. You know, when you're bringing in a guy that's a supposed seven-foot dynamic talent, they'll be able to sell their fans on it and, and make money at the end of the day. And You know, that's all that some NBA franchises care about. If I was an NBA team right now, though, and I needed a point guard, 
And I've got the number five pick in the draft. I'm going after Tyler Eulis. Not just because I'm a Kentucky fan, but I think that's one guy that uh, some some draft boards, I know Bleacher Report has him in the lottery. I think Tyler Eulis is going to be an elite NBA talent. you got Isaiah Thomas in, in Boston that's about the same size as Eulis, and he's just killing it. you got, you know, Allen Iverson wasn't much bigger than Eulis, what, an inch or two? And, you know, that's what Tyler Eulis mimics his game after Allen Iverson, and you can see it in his play. So I... I think I think Ulysses is if if they if nobody wants to draft him till the second round, they're getting an elite talent. They're getting a lottery a lottery pick talent out of him. So I mean, so you're saying that you would take Tyler Ulysses over Chris Dunn, a six four point guard uh, from Providence, who can you know in the NBA, if you're tall and you had the height and you're a point guard, you can drive and you can shoot. I mean, that's the full package. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I like Tyler Ulysses, but I don't know if I would if I had a high lottery pick, and I needed a point guard. I don't know if I would take Tyler Eulis. I think I would have to go with Chris Dunn. Now, that's just me. I see, in my opinion, and I've watched Chris Dunn play. He's a good shooter. Mm-hmm. He can get in and right. get rebounds. But there's nobody in college basketball right now that can read a defense. It's like Tyler Eulis knows what's going on before it goes on. He's he's so court savvy. He's, he's, a, he's the coach on the floor. He knows, you know, he can run the offense. As you saw in the South Carolina game, Cal got kicked out, and um, assistant coach, what's his name? Kenny, uh, Payne. Kenny Payne just said, you know, like he said in the post game conference, he said, I, I set the team up on defense to do what they needed to do, and Tyler ran the entire offense from, you know, what the three minute mark in the game when Calipari got kicked out until the end of the game. Tyler Eulis called every play, he ran the entire offense. Kenny Payne didn't have to do anything with the offense, and Tyler Eulis led the team to a win. He's just the kid's smart. He knows exactly what he's doing on the court. And I, if I if I'm in the NBA, if I'm a GM, I'm willing to take Tyler Eulis in the top ten. Just uh, you know, I mean, you're taking your chances by, you know, a five nine point guard. But then you know, you could have that high reward with it. It's high risk, high reward. And I'm you know, I'm I think he's going to be the reward. Well, one thing I haven't heard mentioned is like the durability factor. What do you think about that? I mean, how do you think somebody that who's you know essentially a below average sized person? When you look at you know all the men in the United States, like how do you think they'll be able to hold up to the 82 game season? I mean, you don't know with anybody, of course, but can you just see somebody like that getting beat up? I mean, is it a risk? I mean, in the NBA, you're going to get beat up no matter who you are. I mean, but it's not like Tyler Ulysses has been playing against you know high school kids all year. He's not been playing against He's playing against the elite five foot six point guards and five foot eight point guards. He's been playing against elite point guards. He's been you know it's not like it's not like Kentucky's in the Ivy League. You know we're the SEC. We played you know I know Frank Mason from Kansas is a smaller point guard too, but he you know he ate Kansas up. He's Tyler Ulysses can guard anybody. He's a defensive monster. He he's just everywhere. Uh, some draft boards have him going. Uh, a lot of draft boards have him going in the first round. Uh, this particular draft board that I like, it's uh, dra- NBADraft.net. They have him in the second round going to the Phoenix Suns. There's no way he'll fall in the second round. I don't think so either. But if he did go to the Phoenix Suns, that that puts Tyler Ulysses being the fifth UK player on the Phoenix Suns. That's all in the front court. Insane. Yeah, all in the front court. <laughs> that, I mean, that's back court. If back court. The if Phoenix the Suns, Wildcats. Yeah, back if the Suns had injuries, big man. In uh, drafting Ulysses, I would see them trading down. Uh, they have a first-round pick, right? Right. Yeah, I would see them trading down with maybe somebody in the teens, grabbing you know an established piece or maybe some future draft picks and getting him in the teens. I, I would think if you really wanted Ulysses, I would probably look and try to get that 15th, 16th, somewhere in there pick. That's where I would have him. But 
The NBA draft is 85 days away, June the 23rd, 2016, and we will see the NBA draft. Let's talk about coaches. Uh, the coaching carousel has not been spinning much this season because, you know, last year it was it was all over the place. Coaches leaving their teams, going to other places. Uh, really, it's not been spinning a lot, but a, uh, probably the biggest job that's came open uh, is the Vanderbilt uh, in the SEC, the Vanderbilt University. Um, Kevin Stallings, he left Vanderbilt to now coach at, in the ACC, a better conference. Terrible hire by uh, Pittsburgh because Kevin Stallings is just absolutely horrible. Nancy, I'm going to disagree. Vanderbilt <laughs> is not an ideal job for a coach. Vanderbilt's standards from – they're 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 not you know let's bring in a one and done to play for a year. Vanderbilt's about academics. Academics. That's everything that Vanderbilt is built on. They don't care about you know let's go out and you know we got to drive we got to get the best football players we got to get the best basketball players. They're an academic school. Vanderbilt. I'm and I'm honestly surprised, and I'm ready to see what they with the coach from Valpo that just came that just signed on with Vandy, but. I'm curious to see what he can do because that's got to be a hard job. I mean, you got to you're not you're not going out and recruiting basketball players. You're going out and recruiting, you know, students who can play basketball. Yeah, a very good student who's going to come stay for four years. You know, get a get a good degree and then also a, a talent in basketball or football or you know whatever sport it is. It's just I would that's got to be a hard job to have. You know, it's just it's not a typical Kentucky or North Carolina to go out and get. You know, a guy that's, you know, not very book savvy and he just wants to stay one year, get by, you know, with the lowest GPA he needs to have, and then he's gone. He knows he's gone. I don't think it was a bad move by Kevin Stallings. I think you misunderstood what I said. I think Kevin Stallings made a an absolutely exceptional decision by leaving Vanderbilt and going to Pittsburgh. I mean, it's a better conference. It's a better university. It's It's be easier to recruit at because of the academic uh, factor there. I think it was a good decision by Kevin Stallings to leave Vanderbilt. I just think it was a terrible decision by Pittsburgh to hire a guy who has coached at a school for 17 years and never made it past the Sweet 16. If you don't have a Sweet 16 – you don't make it into the Sweet 16, you don't have a successful season in college basketball. Eh, that's debatable, but I, I agree with you on the whole. I, I don't know if Kevin Stallings is the guy that I would have brought in. Especially, like, I mean, Kevin Stallings is – I can't imagine the Pitt fans are really excited about that. He's not the kind of guy that would, you know, you'd just be stoked to have at your program. He's just kind of a, <laughs> kind of a stability guy. Like, he can recruit within the requirements like Jordan was talking about. But, yeah, I can't see that just being – a great move for Pittsburgh. Yeah, are you a Kevin Stallings fan, Chad? Mm-mm. <laughs> I guess I'm whining. It's always whining. It reminds me of uh, Bill off of King of the Hill. <laughs> <laughs> you think he's going to move the? Uh, you think he'll move the benches to the to the. Baseline. I mean, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what he does with that because he's so used to, right, to coaching yeah. there uh, most of his home games there. But you know, he plays away games, and I don't know. I got to say, y'all got to mark my word on this. I think he's gonna he's gonna raise the program, and you think I'd say within three years he's gonna have an elite eighteen. That's a big hey, statement. Oh, That's a big statement, Jordan. Let's bet on it. Let's bet on it right now. Okay. Pitt's got a, Pitt doesn't have. I mean, they April fifth, two thousand sixteen. Jordan said that Kevin Stallings in three years was gonna have. Um, Vanderbilt, or I'm sorry, Pittsburgh in the Elite Eight. I'm, I can definitely, you know, I can see it. They've got a good team as it is, but they do play in the ACC. But you got to think if they can make it to the tournament, he's not going by the same recruiting everything that he's had, you know, in Vanderbilt. He's able to go out and, you know, Kevin Stallings' name is known in college basketball. He's 
He's been a coach. You've got to be a good coach. I'm sorry to make it at a at a Division One school for 17 years at the same school. I'm just saying he's not a good coach. I'm just not not somebody that I would think if I was running a, a big program like Pitt to, to go out and snag. <laughs> well, let's talk about the guy who uh, Vanderbilt brought in. You know, you mentioned uh, Bryce Drew. He's going to be named the or or has he been officially named the the new head coach at Vanderbilt? He is coming from. Valparaiso. Valparaiso, yeah. I'm terrible with it. Where was he before Valparaiso? He was, he was nowhere. This is his first. Yeah, the Drew uh, family is kind of like the, the first family of Valparaiso basketball. Valparaiso but, was his first Division One school he coached. What, he's been there like, what, five years? He and he's made it under his dad. He made it to four. He's won, he's won the conference championship, regular season conference championship, like four times. And I think he's won the conference championship tournament four times. And they won the NIT this year, right? No, yeah, they, 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 made, uh, they made it to the uh, championship they game. Made, and then lost to George Washington. Gotcha. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, again, uh, even if it's in the in a postseason coaching, postseason play, it really will help a coach and a player. Mm-hmm. So, it will be interesting to see how that goes. But I'd like to see um, a good coach – from uh, we talked about real college basketball. I like to see a coach from like a school like Boise State or or Moorhead State uh, go to a bigger school like Donnie Tyndall did when he left Moorhead State and went to Southern Miss and then went on to Tennessee. Unfortunately, he had a little scandal that he had to take that he had to deal with and he got fired. But I'd like to see a, a coach like that uh, uh, crossover. You know, Zach, you and I we got a chance to travel down to our. Well, my alma mater, you graduated from UK, but you attended Moorhead State for two years. That's, that's where I met you. And we got a chance to uh, watch Moorhead State play against Nevada in the CBI Championship. Being there at that game, watching Moorhead State versus Nevada, is it different, in your opinion, than watching UK versus Florida? Um, a little bit. Uh, you know, I was getting on a little rant earlier about this state of college basketball and stuff like that. It was pretty refreshing to go down there. I know a lot of people give those, uh, I think it's the CBI, and then there's another, like, fourth tournament. They give them a hard time, but I, I thought it was, it felt like, uh, you know, just genuine college basketball. We got some great seats for, for cheap. We're talking about the terrible seats that, you know, if you're sitting up in the rafters in Houston, like, you can't even see the game. I mean, we got basically courtside seats for right. a great deal. Um, the people that were there were excited to be there and, you know, just for your players. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that to me is kind of like the real college basketball that kind of persists despite the one and done at the, the big schools. I agree. Now, before we uh, close out the college basketball podcast for the year, does anyone have anything to add or anything to say before we uh, wrap up college basketball 2016? I mean, it's been fun. It's been a fun run. Even though Kentucky went out early, I still enjoyed it on the podcast. It's a great time to all get together and talk what we enjoy the most. All I've got to say is it's going to be a long stretch until we get football and basketball back. Hey, man, I'm I'm happy with baseball. Reds started <laughs> yesterday. We want to know, baby. Well, UK, UK baseball is what, number 12 right now or something? UK baseball? Are we talking about, about college? Ranked, right? uh, man, I don't know. UK, uh, college baseball. They beat the number one team in uh, – is Florida number one? Well, Whoever the, the number one uh, team in the nation was, they beat them two games out of three a couple weeks ago. Well, there right? you go. But yeah, it's I'm I'm a I like baseball. I can watch I can definitely watch the Reds play for about uh four the first four or five games of the season and then <laughs> you know, just looking at it what, hundred and sixty five games, that's a 
that's a long season, so I, I just can't get sucked into it like that. It's nice to have a game or two a week to watch, but I've got to – I just – I'm ready for the – I'm ready for next year to start. And we'll be back next year to talk uh, college basketball. And I'd like for you guys to join the podcast a little bit more on some uh, other issues. You know, Off the Cuff is more than just a sports show. You know, we talk politics, we talk current events, and, you know – you know, you guys are three intelligent minds that I'd like to get your opinions on other stuff as well because we have a presidential election coming up in 2016. Donald Trump's about to win the presidency. It's going to be awesome. He's going to change America. He's going to make America great again. I know uh, Zach is a Hillary supporter. Uh, and well, I, I'm not a Trump supporter. I'll put it that way. So, yeah, you'll, if you'll have me back on here, I'd love to get on to some other topics with you, maybe about how you know Trump's not going to win the presidency. But... Hey, that's your call. It's your show. Well, guys, thanks for being here. It was awesome, and it was a pleasure doing the show with you. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening to the show. I'm Adam Banks. Special thanks to Zach Hahn, Jordan Canasser, and Chad Rainwater. Thanks for having us again, man. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Always is. No problem at all. And again, I'm Adam Banks. This is Off the Cuff, and I will see you in the next episode. And the producer screws up always <laughs> with my music. And there we go. We'll see you next episode.